Well, I want to get to the word this morning, and I want to talk about living the blessed life. Living the blessed life. Everybody say the blessed life. You know, what does that mean? What is the blessed life? What is, why would, would I take a Sunday or maybe even more to talk about living the blessed life? The reason is, is because the world we live in today teaches us and conditions us for many, many different things. We're conditioned to think certain ways depending on who we're brought up around or what type of school we go to or or what type of uh, friends we have. We're conditioned for certain things. But the word is clear that, that God wants us to not only have eternal life with him, but he wants us to have good life here on earth. Amen. See, John 10.10 10 tells us something clear. John 10.10 10 is like the dividing line of, this, of, of, of the New Testament. It says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We all say that when we say the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's John 10.10. 10. Now the rest of that verse says something just fantastic, amazing, awesome. It is something that if you grasp, if you can get, it'll change your perspective of God and of what he wants to do for your life. The rest of that verse says that I came. This is Jesus talking. He said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. To give you abundant life. Can everybody say abundant life? Abundant. See, God came to not only give us eternal life, but to give us abundant life. In 1 John, um, excuse me, 3 John, it only has one chapter. So we say 3 John 1, 2, but it would be just 3 John 2. The second verse in 3, 3 John, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. See, if we were to go through the word in multiple places, we would see that God wants us to live a blessed life. He doesn't, you know, I, it makes me, I get frustrated. Have you ever been frustrated? How many of y'all been frustrated this week? Who's been frustrated this week? Okay, me too. Good. All right, we're all in the same boat. Let me tell you one thing that just drives me crazy. Can I tell you? It drives me nuts when I see Christians, firm believers in God's word that are living. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying we won't go through stuff. We will. But I'm talking about people who live in mess, live in a life that's not blessed. Because if we look in Psalm chapter 1, in the first verse, he talks about blessed is the man. And he gives us keys that we're going to talk about this morning on how and why and what you have to do to live a blessed life. He said, blessed is the man. Everybody say that with me. Say, blessed is the man. Say, blessed is the woman. You are blessed if you, you know what? There are certain requirements that we have to do to be saved. There's certain requirements that we have to do. How many of y'all have had uh, or, or have a job? There's certain requirements that you have at your job. If you don't do those things, you don't get paid. Right? The kingdom of God is no different. There's things that are required of us. And so I want to talk this morning and I want to look at this and expand upon what it's like to live a blessed life. He says, let's read this together. Blessed is the man. Here, I'll tell you what, I'll read it. Y'all just read along with me. We'll do that because it's kind of long. All right, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. 
Now you could go on and read even more about living the blessed life, but we're going to pause there for now and we'll come back and read verse three later. But there are some keys to living a blessed life in here that are crucial. There are keys in here that actually coincide with many other verses throughout the Bible. That if we can grasp this concept, first of all, I think you'll realize why you may not be living a blessed life. But before I even get there, what I want to again reiterate and what you've got to understand and what you've got to grasp is that God wants you to be blessed. Say that with me. Point to yourself. Everybody point to yourself. Say, God wants me to be blessed. See, that's a hard thing for some Christians because they got, I I grew up in a church that didn't necessarily teach against this, but they didn't really teach it. And so I didn't understand when I first started hearing this, I'm like, wait a second. I thought that I was supposed to struggle, right? But the thing is, the Bible's clear that it rains on the just and the unjust, right? So in other words, whether you're, you're living a righteous, holy life or not, you will have things that, uh, that, that come against you. We will have trials and tribulations, the Bible says. We will have, we will have things that come up that we face that we're going to have to believe in God, that our faith will be tested, and that we're going to have to rely on him to get us through. But the thing that frustrates me about that teaching is they never teach the rest of those verses. Because it says that, that, that it'll rain on the just and the unjust. It says that you'll have trials and tribulations. But then it says this, that God will deliver you from them all. God will deliver you from them all. See, God is a deliverer. That's what he is. If you were to give God definitions, there's so many definitions. He's loving, he's gracious. But one of those definitions is deliverer. He delivers me out of trouble. He delivers me out of problems. I may find myself in situations. I may find myself in difficulties. I may find myself in problems. I may even put myself in problems. But my God is a deliverer. He came to set me free. He came to bring me out of trouble. He came to bring me out of issues. He came to lift me up out of the dirt and brush me off and clean me up and say, let me show you how to live a blessed life. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. A few things that we should write down. Right place, right time. Everybody say that. Say right place, right time. See, it's, it's, it's important that as believers, we strive to be in the right places and we strive to be in God's timing. That we strive to be in the right places, in godly places, and to be in the right timing. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. I want to encourage you to stop seeking blessing, stop looking for joy and peace and all that, and then doing things to undo it. Let me, re, re, I, let me say it again. Stop asking God to bless you and bring peace and bring joy, and then doing things to undo that. Doing things to bring turmoil. Doing things to bring harm. Putting yourself in position where the devil... See, the Bible tells us... I know I'm quoting a lot of scripture, but the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing. So as I give you the scripture, I hope that it drops down in your heart. See, the Bible tells us not to give the devil a foothold. A, A common way... Of, of saying that because that was an old vernacular, old time vernacular, a common way would be don't give the devil any real estate. Don't give him any room to work. How, how many of y'all, I, let's, let's say if I were going to, 
to, to buy a house. And you owned a house. You owned some property. And, uh, and I came up on your property. You didn't know me now. I'm just a stranger. I came up on your property. And I said, this looks like a good property. And you said, hold on a second. I own this property. I said, no, it's cool. I, I like this. I think I'm going to just take this, this piece of it right here. I'm going to build me a house. And you say, well, that's, you know what? That's no problem. You can have it. You can have it. And then someone else walks up and they say, you know what? I want to build my house here. And you say, you can have it. And you, you give away all your real estate. You're not going to have any. You know, it's ridiculous. We don't give away. I mean, if you have your domain that God's given you, that God's protecting, that God's blessed, that God's ordained, don't give the devil one inch of it. Don't give him one inch of it. Stop doing things and allowing things in your life that are harming you, that are, that are disrupting the flow of God in your life. God is a good God. He came to bless you. He came to increase you. He came to give you, yes, we live for him. God is not a, a vending machine or a get-rich-quick scheme. Don't get, me, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, to paint a, a disruptive picture, but what I am trying to paint to you is that you should not be living a life where when you go through something, you stay in it. You don't have to stay in it. God gave you a way out. He gave you paths out. I, I have another scripture that I want to show you. In Isaiah, um, do you have that? Can you put that up on the screen, Isaiah? Listen, look, check this out. This blew my mind. I'll be honest with you. I've read a lot of word. I read this the other day, and it was just, poof. y'all ever just had your mind blown? I mean, I, was, I, I had to stand up. I was sitting down and had to stand up. I got so excited. Listen, every valley shall be exalted. In other words, it shall be lifted up. Every mountain hill should be brought low. Every crooked, the crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places shall be made smooth. This was God telling his people that I'm going to make a way for you. I'm going to make the valleys not valleys. I'm going to make the mountains not mountains. So when it looks like you've got to climb so high, I thought somebody was going to get excited with me. When it looks like you can't make it through the valley, when it looks like there's no bridge, he'll make a bridge. When it looks like there's no way, when it looks like it's so crooked, God will just straighten it out. He'll help you. He'll keep you. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be brought low. God wants to, you don't have to live a yo-yo life. Up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad if you are. I'm trying to encourage you. That God doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want you to live up and down, up and down. He wants you. Listen, again, you're going to face things, but here's how it should go. Here's how it should go. You ready? You ready? I'm ready. I'm excited. Can y'all tell I'm excited? Listen, when you face something and something comes at you, you just take the word and you throw it back. And see, when you, when you, when you have the word in you and you're, and you're equipped to do that, you're Blessed is the man, are y'all getting this? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Well, what counsel do we walk in? His counsel. His counsel. His word. So when I take his word, and I live by his word, and I have his word hidden in my heart, then I can take his word and combat anything that comes my way. I can stand on the fact that I don't care if I, if I see a mountain. I don't care if I see a valley. I don't care how crooked the path is. He says he'll make the valley up. He'll lift the valley up. He'll make the valley, the mountain, the mountain low. He will help me. 
He will help me. He will show me. He'll lead me. He'll guide me. We don't have to live a yo-yo life. Be yo-yo Christians. We don't have to do that. Right place, right time. We have to pick the right friends. You don't remember in high school, you'd have all those clicks. <laughs> she said, let's try not to. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't try to remember that. Some of us, <laughs> high school wasn't. You know, listen, for me, I, I tried to make friends with all the different cliques. I tried to jump around to all the different cliques. I tried to go to this one and to that one and all that stuff. There were all these different cliques. What tends to happen that I've noticed in our culture is that we like to make friends based off of past experiences, based off of past problems, and that filters from high school into college and even into to our adulthood, right? We make friends and we, we encircle ourselves based on our past, based on the things that I, I used to go through, based on the problems that I used to have. But see, God tells us in his word that he has, he says, great are the plans that I have for you. That you, he says, no eye has seen. No ear has heard the plans that I have in store for you. That when you serve me, I've got plans that you haven't even seen or heard of. The rest of that verse goes on to say that he reveals it by his spirit. Okay. My friends, the friends that I make, should be friends that are aligned with my future. They line up with my future. They line up with where I'm going. Let me give you some other scripture to back this up. 1 Corinthians 6. First, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Do not team up with those who are unbelievers. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? Look at verse 15. Look at the next verse. It says this, if I can get to it. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? See, we get that twisted sometimes because we, we know that we're supposed to save the lost. We're supposed to, to, to go and, yes, we should reach out to those that are in, in places that need Jesus. But we're to bring them to, to our level. If they don't come to my level, I'm not going down to theirs. What counsel does godly have with ungodly? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? What, what, what does light have to do with darkness. See, the Bible tells us that where there is light, there can't be darkness. That means when I walk in a room, there should be enough light for me that everything that's dark gets illuminated. What do, what do I mean? Like, like if you well, I tell you what, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just stick, stick with the word. Proverbs 27, 17. And iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. This is back to what I'm talking about. That our, our friends should align with our future. They should line up with where I'm going. They should line up with where I'm heading. They should sharpen me. I'm thankful for, you know, I have uh, Pastor Justin over in Georgetown. He's just a good friend. He's just a good friend. He's, you know, it's, it, when you're in ministry, when you're a pastor, you don't always have, you can't just talk to everybody. I, 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 I can't, you know, I have stuff that I go through, and so I rely on my pastor. I rely on a few confidants, and Justin is one of those, and I'm so thankful for him because sometimes you just need somebody to call and talk to, and he'll call me, and he'll say, this is going on, and this is happening, and I'll help him, and I'll pray for him, and I'll encourage him. Sometimes I'll just listen. 
It's iron, iron sharpening iron. That's the type of friends we should have. Right place, right time. Say it again. Say right place, right time. I heard this statement from another minister. I thought this was great. You're going to love this. When God wants to bless you, he puts a person in your life. When the devil wants to destroy you, he puts a person in your life. Just because someone that looks good walks in your life, you gotta, you got to, to, there's nothing wrong with evaluating your friendships, with, 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 with addressing, you know what, this person, I love them, they're great, they're awesome, I'm going to pray for them from a distance. I don't need them influencing me. I don't need them infiltrating me. I don't need them. Listen, I know this may be tough. I know this may be hard. This may be not. I'll be honest. It may not be what you wanted to hear this morning. But it's, it's, it's word. It's, it's biblical. It's what, listen, a blessed man walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. I'm not saying you shouldn't love them, but you've got to love them in a way that they're not counseling you. That they're not disrupting your blessing. Figure out how to do it. You have to gain control. I would write this down. I would jot this down. If you're taking notes, listen, y'all like the new bulletin? I upgraded it. You're welcome. On the back, <laughs> on the back, you can take notes. Now, there's a big area for your notes there. All right, everything's on the inside that we have going on. Um, Day of Thanks is coming up. It's going to be awesome. Don't miss it. Um, there's lots of stuff happening in there, but on the back is, take, is, is a place where you can take notes. I encourage you, come ready, come taking notes. Gain control of your atmosphere. Write that down. Gain control of your atmosphere. Gain control of your atmosphere. Let's look back at our staple verse here, Psalms 1, 1 through 3. This time in a different translation. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. They don't stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. They delight in the law of the Lord. They meditate on it day and night. They are like trees. Everybody say trees. trees. Say it again. Say trees. trees. Now, what are trees here? They're, they're, they're not moving. They're planted. You see that? They're, they're planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves don't wither, and they prosper in all they do. A tree that prospers. Y'all get this. See, the Psalms are so, if you actually read it and you let it speak to you, it'll, it'll uncover so much. A tree doesn't move from its source. And a tree planted by, planted by the riverbanks has a source of life. See, it has the dirt, it has the soil, it has cation exchange and all these things that go on. It has the water source and it'll never run out. It'll always bear fruit in each season. Leaves won't wither and it prospers in all that it does. Well, obviously the Bible's not just talking about trees. It's talking about you. We're to be trees. What are we planted in? We're planted by our source, which is God from above in the heavens. We're planted in his word. And when we're planted at the source and we stay at the source, see, this is what tends to happen. We're a tree. Is this, is this, okay. We were planted and then we move. Oh, wait, I need a little bit. My leaves are withering and I come back up and I try to plant. And then I come back and I go over here. And then I come back. Wait, I need a little bit. I'm struggling. Some of my branches are falling and I plant. Stay planted. 
When you remove, see, I, I studied this. Have y'all ever, have y'all ever planted a plant out of a, out of a pot or out of a, a maybe, you know, you go to a nursery, right? A plant nursery and all those plants are in pots. You know how they got there? Somebody planted in the pot. Before it was in the pot, get this, before it was in the pot, it was on a farm. They were all planted in rows. If it's a tree or a shrub or a bush, whatever it is, it's planted in rows. Just like you're in rows, imagine all of these are trees. And the, the, the person, the nursery worker, whatever they are, um, the arborist, if it's a tree, they'll come and they'll plant, they'll, they'll pluck, and they'll put it in a pot. At that moment, that plant, that shrub, that tree goes into shock. It goes into shock. As a matter of fact, if the tree is really large, they'll take these big, like, bulldozer-looking things, and it makes a, a, a V like this from all four sides. It's four Vs. And it'll, and it'll cut all the roots down in a diamond and then pick it up. I'm talking about real large trees, like trees that are 30, 40 feet tall. That's how they move those big trees, these big machines. The tree goes in shock. The tree goes in shock immediately. And until it's planted back... And its roots get reestablished. All those roots will regrow. All those roots, it takes years, years, depending on the size of the plant. I said years to replant and reconnect itself to what it needs to sustain life. That's why most of the time when you plant a new plant, you have to prune it. And you're wondering why stuff in your life is getting pruned off. While things in your life are changing and not working and you're changing your source all the time and you're trying to get fed from the world and you're trying to get fed from this friend and you're trying to get fed from this thing. Oh, wait, and then I'm coming back to God. And then I'm trying to get fed from here and then I'm, wait, I'm coming back to God. Just stay planted. Stay planted by the rivers of living water. Stay planted. And your source won't run dry. Gain control of your atmosphere. Everybody say that with me. Say, gain control of your atmosphere. You control you. You can't control everything else. Amen. You can't control. Maybe you have some things in your life and some, maybe, maybe right now you're, you've got a certain job and you're believing for a different job, but until you get the different job, you got this one and you got that boss and you just got to believe. You just got to pray. You got to pray through every time you go in. Hey, listen, just go in filled with the Holy Ghost and just be in the, be in the spirit all day. That's the only way you're going to make it through probably. Amen. But you control how you respond to that. You may not control that at this moment because you need a job, and that's your job, and that's what you have, but you can control how you respond to it. You can control how you respond. You can control whether you pray before you go. You can control whether you pray on your break because sometimes you need to. I mean, I, I, listen, I've had, thankfully, I've worked in the ministry for like 10 years, and it's been great. I love it. But before that, I had other jobs. I had employees. I had things I had issues. You're not going to make it. I shouldn't say it that way. It's going to be hard for you to make it without being planted. Amen. All right, I want to move on to number two. And we're going we're gonna to stay along those lines, though, of gaining control of your atmosphere. I want you to get this. Number two. See, if we look back at that verse, it says that a blessed man delights in the Lord. Everybody say delight, delight. in the Lord. I would write that down. Number one, right, right place, right time. Number two, delight in the Lord. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise. Y'all see that? A sacrifice of praise. Let us offer a continual 
sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. One of the ways that you can gain control of your atmosphere, y'all want to know? Praise. Praise. See, when you praise, it changes your posture. I mean, when you really praise God, when you really thank him, when you really focus, see, what is praise? JT, I don't know. I haven't been to church like you've been all your life. Help me out. What is praise? Let me tell you. Praise is thanking God for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he's going to do. That's praise. So when you praise God, your posture changes. So you might start out all down. And, and depressed because this is going on and that happened and blah, blah, blah. And this person and then, and then, but when you say, you know what, let me find something to praise my God for. My God is good and he's good and he is good all the time. I can find, you know what? Thank God that I'm breathing. Thank God for these clothes that I got on. Thank God for my car. At least I got to work today. At least I'm going to get a paycheck on Friday. I thank you, Lord. Your posture changes. All of a sudden, instead of looking, y'all get this, instead of looking down, I'm looking up, and I'm looking over the problem. See, I'm looking past where that mountain that God's trying to reduce that I keep focusing on. You know, we just make mountains bigger. That's what we do. Have you ever heard that phrase, making a molehill into a mountain? Come on, let's be honest. I know I've done it. And as a matter of fact, I'll be, can I just tell you all the truth? I'm really good at it. I can make a problem, man. I can make it so big. It can be like the littlest thing, and I'll, I'll just, it'll be the end of the earth. It'll just be the end of, I mean, just ruined everything. It's not going to work. It's going to be, I'm serious. I am good at it. I will make it, I'll make you think that the, 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 the whole project is over because of one. But at the same time, if I switch, I've also realized that God's made me a very good problem solver. And so I've trained myself, instead of magnifying the problem, I start immediately looking for the solution. And I have another little mantra that I live by. I want y'all to get this. This will help you. God has a solution. I just have to find it. God has a solution. I just have to find it. God has a solution for you. You may not see it when you see the problem. But his word tells me that he knows my problems before I even am am aware of them. That means if he knows my problem, then he, he knows a way out. He knows a way through. He knows a way over. He knows how to make that crooked path straight. Yes. I don't have to rely on me. Amen. I have his word. I have his spirit. I have everything that I need. Another verse that, that we went over on Thursday, didn't we? Man, Thursdays have been good. Come, 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 yeah, come hang out with us on Thursday if you can. Another verse says that God gave us all things that pertain to life and godliness. See, God wants us to not only prosper in godly things, but also in life. He gave us all things, all the tools, everything I need to prosper in life and to prosper in godliness. I can gain control of my atmosphere. One of the things, one of the ways that I do that is I fill my atmosphere with a sacrifice of praise. I fill my, I fill it. If my atmosphere stinks, I can praise that atmosphere into something else. Instead of pity, I can praise. Instead of being pitiful, I can praise. I can't think of any other P words. But if I could do other things that start with P that aren't good, instead of doing those, I can praise. Fill your atmosphere with praise. Psalm 22, 
three through four. Y'all, y'all write that down. You might not be able to turn over there quickly. I'm going to move forward. I got eight minutes. But you are holy. Say holy. holy. Enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. You are holy enthroned. Where is God enthroned? In the praises of his people. Another translation says that he inhabits the praises of his people. This is, I believe this is one of God's favorite places to be is in the praises of his people. He inhabits. He wants to be that when you start praising God, it changes your atmosphere. So it changes my posture. And because my posture's changed, and now instead of looking down and hunched over and depressed, I'm looking up, my arms are up, I'm praising God. Now my posture's changed and my atmosphere will change with it. It will change with it. I want to challenge you. I wrote this down. I want to challenge you this Thanksgiving season to actually be thankful. Actually be thankful. Thank God every day. Every day, thank God. Find something. Be thankful every day. You don't have to be weird about it. You don't have to post it on social media. Don't get everybody out. Who cares what they think? For you and for your atmosphere, be thankful. I mean, if you want to post it, you can. But I'm just telling you, be thankful. Be genuinely thankful. Find something. Maybe your life has all kinds of stuff happening. That's okay. God didn't do it, and he wants to bring you out of it. Find something to be thankful for. Find something to praise God for. Delight in the Lord every day. I wrote that down. Delight in the Lord every day. Delight in the Lord every day. That was number two, delight in the Lord. You know, I I said this on Thursday. This is a good story, I thought. Y'all know who Smith Wigglesworth is? Have y'all ever heard of him? He he was early uh, 20th century, fantastic man of God. He had 14, everybody say 14. 14 accounts, from my memory, that's what I remember. I, I believe that's correct. 14 recorded accounts of people raised from the dead in his ministry. That God used him to raise people from the dead. I'm talking about Lazarus style. Raising people from the dead that they had recorded. This is this was a man that believed in God's miracle work and power, and he exercised it by faith, and God used him that people that were dead, including his own wife, one time she died, and God rose her from the dead. Because he, he believed in God's word. He didn't actually just think it was something, you know, that, that was some mysterious. I mean, he believed it. Okay. Every day, get this. This is a part of his life. Every day when he would wake up. He would spend 15 to 20 minutes praising God. I don't know about y'all, but I'm just struggling to get to the coffee maker. I'm just, I'm just trying to get some coffee. I need some caffeine. I need a little support. I, I need, I mean, I need some Starbucks, something. I need something to get me going. I, I just, you know, I got to work on that. He woke up every day before he did anything else. 15 to 20 minutes, thanking God for the day. Lord, I thank you that I get to change lives today. I thank you that I get to be in the ministry. I just want to praise you for what I get to do. Thank you, Lord, for for giving me this day, giving me my breath. Thank you for giving me my legs. Thank you that I'm standing and I'm walking. Thank you that I got hands to lay on people. This was his, that was his life every day. A sacrifice. Can you put that back up? That verse, a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. That was a... Hebrews 13, a sacrifice of praise. Let us offer Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise. All right, number three, I'm going to end with this. Number three, change your clothes. Change your clothes. Have you ever eaten in a Mexican restaurant? And afterwards, 
Everywhere you go, if you eat in the, early in the day, you're going to smell like a Mexican restaurant the rest of the day. Y'all know it's true. Don't act like you hadn't done it. It's, you, you know, you, you can tell when somebody's been to the Mexican restaurant too. You know, you give them a hug when you see them at the store later and you're like, mm-hmm. They had some quesadillas for lunch. I know. I can smell it. Right? I mean, you just, you, you, there's only one way. You've got to wash those clothes. You've got to change them. Check out what the Bible tells us. I thought this was great. Isaiah 61.3. This was Isaiah, and he's talking about what the Spirit of God was using him to do. He said, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for for mourning, and the garment of praise. Y'all see that? The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. In other words, the spirit of depression, the spirit of anxiety. See, I I, I realized something over recent years, and I could read you all the statistics, but one of the leading medicines for people 18 to 44 years old or the leading medicine is antidepressants. I believe that this is a, it, the Bible's clear, this is a spirit of heaviness. I believe that that's, a, that's an attack of the enemy, attack of the devil to, to make us depressed and anxious and, and that anxiety, anything like that, anxiety attacks, I believe that's an attack of the devil. I do believe there are clinical, clinical you know, things with that. I believe all that, but I believe the root of it is the devil. Okay, I'm not saying don't take your medicines. I'm saying that you believe God that I don't have to take medicines anymore because God is going to heal me of this because it's of the devil. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying go drop your medicines today. I'm saying believe God and by faith believe that you can put on the garment of praise. You can change your clothes. I can change. I can take off. See, when I put on the garment of praise, this is what I'm talking about, about changing your posture. Praise changes your posture. When I take off, y'all remember Mr. Rogers in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Y'all remember? What did he do every day? He came in, he took off his jacket, he put on a sweater. And then the other day, other part of the day, at the end of the show, he switched it. The reason is, is because you couldn't wear one or the other. You could only wear one or the other is what I mean. He could only wear the jacket or the sweater. Have y'all ever tried to wear a jacket on top of a sweater? It's weird. It doesn't fit right. It's hot. It's just wrong. There's just something wrong about it. I mean, maybe I'll do that. If you do, I'm not trying to make fun of you, but it's just weird for me to wear a jacket and a sweater at the same time. I'm either going to wear the sweater or I'm going to wear the jacket. I can either be depressed or I can praise. I can take the garment of praise. See, that says for in replace of in, 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 in exchange for the spirit of heaviness. I'm going to put on the garment of praise. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to find something. I'm going to just take this, this season of Thanksgiving. You know, it takes 21 days to make a new habit. If you start right now, if you start right now, by the end of this month, you'll have a new habit form that every day I praise God. Every day I change my atmosphere. Every day I control. I'm going to be a blessed as the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. I'm not going to walk over there. I'm not going to walk with them people. I'm not going to do all that. I'm going to separate myself and I'm going to put on the garment of praise. I'm going to put on something that will change my life. I'm going to praise God until I see what I'm praising him for. I'm going to praise God because I know his word is true. Come on, church. I know his word is true. I know he's for me. I know he's not against me. So I'm going to just stand on his word and stand on his promises. I will live a blessed life, not because I'm worthy of it, because he wants it for me. And if I follow, will you put that back up, that Psalms 1, just as we close? If I follow this recipe... If I follow this and I walk by Psalms 1-1, that if I don't follow the advice of the wicked and, and I don't walk with sinners, if I delight in the Lord, Amen. delight in his law, delight in his ways, 
Lord, I thank you for keeping me safe. Lord, I know that right now may be hard for me to follow your word, but your word says that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I thank you for making it light. I thank you for making it easy for me. Lord, I'm going to serve you to the end of my days. I'm going to walk in your love and in your righteousness. I'm going to walk. You said you'll make the crooked path straight. I'm going to walk in those straight paths. God wants you to live a blessed life. He wants you. Go back to the very, very first one, Psalm 1-1. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. Point to yourself and say, I'm going to be blessed. Say, I'm going to be a blessed. And then say, man or woman. Say, I'm going to be a blessed man. I'm going to be a blessed man. Now, if you're a woman, you better say woman, okay? (laughs) Guys, I love you. And I am for you. But even as much as I am for you and as much as I want for you, God wants more for you. And he wants to see you exceeding, abundantly blessed and that, that you never have lack, you never have want, that all your needs are met, that, you're, that your mind is right, your soul is right, that your health is right. He wants you. You shouldn't be in lack or want or in, in destitute or in need. You may go through a season of that, but you'll walk out. You know, the, another psalm says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Stop staying in the valley. Walk through it. A good shepherd leads you through, leads his sheep through. As the shepherd of the, the Bible calls pastors under shepherds. As the shepherd of this flock, Jesus is our shepherd. But I'm talking about as, as, as my job as the pastor, I want to lead you guys. I'm not saying I have, I have my life is perfect, but man, it's good and it's blessed. And the reason that it is, is because God showed me and revealed these things to me. And I want you guys to be blessed. I want to see your lives blessed. I want to see you increase. I want to see you continue. I'm not here to, again, I'm not here to beat you up and make you feel bad. I want you to feel good. I want you to know, you know what? This is a new day. This Thanksgiving season, I'm going to praise my way until every day is good. I'm not going to wake up depressed anymore. I'm going to wake up energized. I'm not going to wake up uh, anxious about the day or anxious about school or anxious about work. I'm going to wake up saying, this is the day the Lord has made. Oh, this is the day. He made this day. He gave it to me, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, give God some praise, will you?